Université Paris 1, Panthéon Sorbonne. My talk will be about uh, sparse coding neural gas, and the subtitle is Manifold Learning uh, with Sparse Coding. And uh, as we all know, um, when you deal with high-dimensional data, especially for machine learning, classification, or pattern recognition, it's always uh, necessary to be able to, to solve the task, or to have the task being feasible, um, that two conditions. Uh, more or less uh, are valid. First of all, if the space, if the dimension is very high, uh, it's necessary that the data indeed lie on a low-dimensional, comparable low-dimensional intrinsic uh, uh, submanifold. This is first uh, condition, and the second condition is that you are somehow able to describe the submanifold to make the task feasible. And uh, this is more or less what uh, the talk will be about, about a method um, to learn such lower dimensional nonlinear submanifolds. So this is uh, also one can observe, namely that natural signals very often lie uh, high dimensional, but lie on a, a lower dimensional submanifold in this space. For instance, like natural images we see here. These natural images lie on a submanifold uh, of this high dimensional space. And it's very helpful if one knows where the submanifold lies. Here is an example where one can use that knowledge, for instance, for uh, image reconstruction. I talked about it uh, also last uh, week. For instance, uh, if many pixels of your picture, of your image, are unknown, if the picture is, or the image is somehow destroyed, then it's helpful if you know that the picture indeed has to lie on a certain submanifold in this high-dimensional space. And one way to reconstruct such, a, such an image then is to take the closest point on that submanifold as a substitution, as a reconstruction for that image. We will see a little bit more about it later on. So um, what are uh, methods? <laughs> so uh, what are possibilities to describe such submanifolds? So one way uh, of doing it is by vector quantization. So in vector quantization, each point on the submanifold is described by its closest reference length. So you take a number of these reference vectors, wi, and you somehow have to distribute them on the submanifold, and then finally you use them, these uh, reference vectors, to describe it. There are several ways uh, to learn these reference vectors that they finally describe the submanifold, and uh, standard methods are, for instance, k-means, is a vector quantization method, but also what uh, we have developed uh, many years ago, the so-called neural gas, which is an extension of the k-means uh, 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 method, which is more robust and, uh, and faster. We will use it uh, later on uh, to extend it, this neural gas. And uh, so again, if you do Im image reconstruction, you take the wi, which is closest to the image as an... Um, uh, reconstruction 
solution. So now one can look at this as being a submanifold representation by linear subspaces of zero dimension. So each point here is a subspace of zero dimension. And uh, if we look at it this way, then um, one can uh, immediately get an idea how to extend it. Namely, instead of taking these uh, uh, submanifolds or linear subspaces of zero dimension, we now take um, linear subspaces of higher dimension. So if we are in uh, spaces of, like, for instance, images, images usually have a dimension of 1 million pixels, and uh, the submanifold is perhaps 10,000 dimensional, these images, natural images, lie on. So one way now is to go on and extend it by taking linear subspaces to describe that manifold. So again, we have the same procedure, namely, each point on the submanifold is then described by the closest point on one of these linear subspaces. So we have to do two steps. First of all, we have to find the subspace, the linear subspace, which is closest. Then we have to find the point on this linear subspace, which is then describing our um, manifold point the best. So this is a natural extension, more or less, of the, of the neural gas, or of the vector quantization, the, the, the classical vector quantization, namely by taking linear subspaces. So now, if we want to pursue that, then we get a problem, namely, if we describe the, sub, uh, the submanifold with L linear subspaces of dimension K, and uh, we take individual, different individual linear subspaces, then we have L times N times K plus 1 parameters. And this very easily can uh, explode that we um, yeah, have a very, very high number. For instance, if this L is 10,000 dimensional, then one can imagine how uh, difficult uh, it will be to determine these parameters. However, one can observe that uh, this description can be highly redundant, so we can perhaps reduce these uh, parameters uh, significantly. For instance, for example, uh, if we take n subspaces, so n is the dimension um, of our space, if we take as many subspaces if, as we have dimensions, and if the dimension of each linear subspace is n minus 1, this is just an example to show that, then we can describe uh, these subs linear subspaces by n squared parameters instead of n to the power of 3, as one would expect from this naive formula. Why is it the case? Um, here, uh, just to make it uh, a little bit clearer, if we have a space of dimension 3, and if we say, take subspace, linear subspace dimensions of uh, uh, k equal to 2, and if we take three of them, so three two-dimensional linear subspaces uh, in a three-dimensional uh, space, then we can see that if we, if this is one two-dimensional subspace, and this is the other plane, and this is the third plane, 
we can describe it in a very compact way. Namely, if we here see the parameters for the first uh, linear subspace, this is the second linear subspace, and this is the third one, each has to be described with three, with three uh, vectors. And uh, instead, one can see that we can, instead of nine parameters, we can describe it with four parameters, namely, if we take one parameter here uh, at this point, and if we take for the directions, for describing the, the directions of these planes, if we take those vectors which lie in the intersections of these three planes, we can then, instead of having nine, only use three, uh, four such vectors and can uh, massively reduce the number of parameters. So then the idea is, um, instead of taking individual subspaces, choose subspaces out of a set of dictionary vectors. As we take a dictionary, what is called dictionary, of many, many vectors, and each subspace we want to describe is by choosing k vectors out of this dictionary. And in this way, we can form, we can realize, k out of m many different subs linear subspaces of dimension k. So we have only m vectors, and uh, as one can imagine, if we take m um, like, I don't know, like 1000, and if uh, k is equal to 100, the dimension of our lower dimensional subspaces, then we have a more or less infinite number of different linear subspaces we can realize. So if we go this way, instead of individually describing each subspace, if we go this way by taking a dictionary where we can choose different vectors from to realize our linear subspaces, then we have to solve the following task, namely, if we have a given data point, we have to find the parameters in the dictionary so that the distance between, uh, or, or that the reconstruction error uh, we, we achieve is minimal, and at the same time, the number of elements in this parameter vector which are non-zero, this is the zero norm describes is the number of uh, elements in this vector which are non-zero, this has to be k. I can show it here on the, on the blackboard. If this is our matrix, dictionary matrix C, and we have different vectors in here, C1, C2, and here Cm, and here we have our parameter vector A. So if we want to achieve a description with only k vectors out of this dictionary, all the elements have to be zero except for k elements. But we don't know which elements of this vector are non-zero. This is uh, then one of the difficult tasks one has to solve. So to find a description vector A multiplied with this matrix 
which then gives the best description for our given data point. So this is um, our task now, and then we have two problems to solve, namely to find the best vector A if the, given, if the dictionary here is given, and this is known that it is an, an p-hat combinatorial problem to find the best vector here. And the second one, the second problem is how do we find the dictionary C, so that means these vectors here, such that they best describe our given data manifold we want to describe. So these are two problems one has to solve in that uh, uh, task domain. So one important message now uh, is first that manifold learning can be cast into a sparse coding framework. Maybe this is sparse coding here. If you describe uh, your data points only with a few elements in this vector and vice versa, sparse coding, which has shown that it very often works well for classification tasks can be regarded as a manifold learning problem. And this is perhaps a description uh, or, or uh, an explanation why sparse coding in many uh, cases leads to good classification or regression results. Okay, so now we want to uh, go on and somehow solve the task or solve the problems I have described, namely finding these element vectors, dictionary vector C. But first, we have to see how we can find this sparse coding vector here. And uh, the problem is, as I said, it's NP-hard, and uh, there are greedy optimization problems or, or solutions to solve that task, uh, and uh, there are several of them. They are very, uh, uh, very much related, and the idea is uh, more or less to take first the dictionary C out of these uh, set, which gives you the largest overlap to your signal, so the best description. Then see what the residual description error is, and take the next dictionary to reduce this residual error the most, and so on. So you get, until you have k such selected such dictionary elements, and then this is a greedy method to find this vector. So this is uh, more or less uh, the idea of uh, these greedy algorithms, and these are um, uh, refinements of this basic idea. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, if the vector x, which is given, has to be described, has a very sparse or sparse enough description, representation, in the dictionary C, which is given, then the solution which we find by these methods here is the optimal solution. Yeah. It's an NP-hard problem, but still, if certain conditions are given, we can even show that we find indeed the best solution. So this we have solved more or less, how to find these coefficients. So the next task is how to find 
these dictionary elements, which are the best ones. So, first of all, we have to have training data, which describe our manifold, like for instance natural images, which are known that they lie on the submanifold. Now the goal is to find a dictionary set, vectors, which provide a small average reconstruction error for a given k. So the, the k is the number of elements which are non-zero. So this error here has to be small, and the constraint is, as I said, k elements can be non-zero, and we can also uh, use the condition that all these elements here, vector elements, uh, have to be normalized to one. So now we have to minimize uh, this error here by varying c and varying a, both parameters. Skip that. So the problem now is minimize C, minimize A, or, or minimize over C, minimize over A, subject to that constraint. So there are current state-of-the-art solvers for that problem. This is uh, uh, called MOD, method of uh, optimal direction it's called. And this is KSVD, it's a certain extension of the singular value decomposition. And we uh, have been pursuing a different approach, namely, we said, okay, the problem we have to solve is more or less uh, a certain vector quantization problem. Instead of, uh, uh, in this case now, we have to solve it with linear subspaces. And we know that the neural gas uh, with a soft competitive stochastic gradient descent has shown to be uh, quite well in solving this task. So we said, okay, might be that this is also appropriate to solve our problem now. So just as a reminder what the neural gas was, the neural gas is a vector quantization solver and it, it does it in the way that if a randomly chosen data point X is given, training data point. We want to find a codebook vector set WI, which describe these data. And uh, the way we adapt these codebook vectors is in the following way, namely, uh, we look at the reference vector which is closest to that given data point. We also look for the reference vector which is second closest, third closest, and so on. And then each vector, each reference vector, is moved into the, into the direction of the given data point, slightly moved. And this is the step size of this movement. And the step size of this movement decreases with the distance rank. So the closest one is moved the most, the second closest one is moved the second most, and so on. So this is, can be shown that this uh, adaptation, very easy adaptation step, is a gradient descent on the on a certain cost function, uh, namely a cost function which is more or less given by the squared uh, distance between x and the reference vector. So it's known that the neural gas in this way performs a soft competitive stochastic gradient descent on the vector quantization error function, and it's known that the neural gas also provides robust solutions for that uh, vector 
quantization problem, which has many local minima. So this is the basic idea of the of the mural gas. Now we want to extend it to um, linear subspaces, and uh, a straightforward extension is to take as a reconstruction error the linear subspace which has the best or the lowest reconstruction error. Here, this to take the the one with the lowest reconstruction error, then take the linear subspace with the second lowest, third lowest, so in the same way as we did it before. Instead of reference vectors, we take uh, linear subspaces. And uh, to find these best, second best, and so on, uh, uh, closest subspaces, we first have to see what is the vector A, which yeah, we have to solve, again, this task here, more or less, namely C, what is, what is uh, the A, which gives for all these linear subspaces the best reconstruction error. So we have the, uh, the closest one, the second closest linear subspace, and so on. And then we again do a gradient descent, updates that on the reconstruction error, and the, and the gradient of this is this expression here. And then again, we use a distance rank has been shown to be so efficient uh, with the standard neural gas, we take again the distance rank um, for uh, controlling the step size of this adaptation step. And uh, so this is the basic idea. And now we have to somehow um, transform it in a way or uh, transfer it to our sparse coding framework. Namely, we don't have individual uh, linear subspaces we use, but we use such a dictionary set. And uh, yeah, but here again, uh, it, it goes the same way. Namely, we see what is the coefficient which, which describes our data point best. Then we see what is the what is uh, the vector here which describes our data point second best, third best, and so on. So we have to solve this task of finding the best uh, coefficient vector um, with the sparsity constraint k. Um, we have to solve it not only to find the best one, but also second, third, and so on. And um, this can be done um, by uh, what we what we have called a bag of uh, um, pursuits, namely, um, we have this greedy algorithm to find the best coefficient vector, but now we look for a whole set of different uh, coefficient vectors, and if we have a whole set of different coefficient vectors, which are good solutions, all of them, which are good solutions, we then just uh, take them and give it a certain rank order in the description performance, and this rank order then can be used for our neural gas uh, adaptation step in the same way as it was done before. So we have to apply a small trick, namely we have to extend this greedy algorithm to find the best solution in the way that we also find second, third, and, uh, and so on. So 
many good solutions which we then put into a rank order. Um, the problem, of course, is that we here uh, have many, many, many different uh, possible linear subspaces we are working with. Let me namely M, K out of M. And uh, so uh, we cannot uh, go through all these uh, possibilities, but we have to restrict ourselves to a set of good solutions which are then sufficient for this rank order adaptation. So I will skip that too, goes too much into details. So, so that was the, the basic idea to extend the neural gas to linear subspaces and do it by using sparse coding. And uh, then finally we want to show how good the performance is of our task. And to do that, we um, did it first of all on uh, synthetical experiments, synthetical data, to be able to know uh, what the performance at the end is. So what we did is we generated a synthetical dictionary in a 20-dimensional space. We take 50 dictionary elements C. So it's an overcomplete uh, dictionary, more elements as necessary for describing the whole space. And then we use that di dictionary here to produce and generate data, in this case 1,500 data points, that are linear combinations of these dictionary elements here, but such that they are sparsely described. So that means each coefficient vector here for one of these elements has only k non-zero elements. So all of them, all these data points lie on a k-dimensional uh, submanifold. And the positions of these non-zero entries in this element vector here are, cho are chosen in this case for three different scenarios which are uh, namely the three different scenarios, how they were chosen, are the following. First of all, one can choose them simply randomly. Uh, just take random positions, and then give them a certain value. All the others are zero. But then there are also two other scenarios which are important, namely that we have independent subspaces. So that means that uh, the linear uh, subspaces the data points lie on uh, are completely independent. This is done, so in our case we have 50 such dictionary elements here, and we always take groups of k of them. Here we take, for instance, those, and we take the next set of dictionaries, and so on, so that all the, all the subspaces here are linearly independent. So this is another scenario one can choose. And the most difficult scenario is to have highly dependent subspaces. But in this way, uh, the, the data points are generated in the following way. We take a group of dictionaries here, and the next group of dictionaries, which are used for data production, are such that with other groups, 
they have at least k minus one uh, dictionaries which are the same. So an overlap, a highly overlap uh, in these uh, elements here. So that means if we take two subspaces, we know that they are highly dependent. So this is the third scenario we're looking at. And uh, yes, here we see the result. We were, of course, interested in how it compares to um, the state-of-the-art methods which exist. And what we see here is the result. see here on this axis is simply the description error. How good are we in describing the data after we have learned a set of dictionaries um, for describing it? Here we see different scenarios of sparsity. So two, four, or six, eight, in this case here, four elements in this dictionary in this coefficient vector, which is 50-dimensional, four of them were non-zero. And we see that uh, very soon the description error increases so that the, that the dictionary elements are not learned perfectly. However, we see that the sparse coordinator again, in this case, performs at least better than the other solutions which are commonly used. What we see here is how good the dictionaries are, have found the true dictionary element. So what is done here is we take one of the true dictionary elements and look what is the closest or the, the, the the learned dictionary element, which has the largest overlap, if the overlap is one, then we know that the true element, true dictionary element, has been perfectly learned. So then we take the next true dictionary element and again look for the best learned one concerning the overlap, and then we average over all the dictionary elements we test. If the average is 1, then we know exactly, or we know, that the true dictionary elements have been found exactly. So each of them has learned in a perfect way. So then the question arises, why is the error here not 0, if we have learned the dictionary elements perfectly? The reason for that is that we only find approximate solutions in this case for these coefficients. You know this is an NP-hard problem to find the perfect uh, fitting uh, coefficients. And obviously, in this case, uh, the problem is not finding the perfect dictionary elements. The problem is in finding the best coefficients. What we can also observe here is that the methods or less work perfectly until 4, with 5 and 6, it decreases the performance. With the neural gas, we could slightly extend that point where it drops down uh, up to 6. But still, if the 
sparsity scenario is higher than six, obviously, then uh, find the perfect solution in this scenario is quite difficult. So that was the result for random dictionaries. If we go to linear subspaces, independent, independent subspaces, then we see that we can indeed get a description error of zero. Somehow, in this case, uh, finding these coefficients seems to be easier. Our measure, whether we have perfectly learned the dictionary elements, the true dictionary elements, this measure, in this case here, uh, goes, drops down immediately, but the reason for that is not that we have failed in learning the dictionary sets here. The reason is simply that there is no uh, um, unique solutions. So it's for, for, the, for the method that suffices that we only find the subspace. It does not have to be exactly the same dictionaries. We only have to find the subspace. Uh, uh, so this measure in this case does not really make sense anymore. So we can find uh, we can go to a perfect description even by not finding exactly these uh, elements. We only have to find the combination which gives uh, the subspace description. And here um, we have the other scenario where the subspaces are highly uh, dependent. And uh, so this scenario is more difficult. Here to get a zero description error. Um, however, what turns uh, out is that we can, in this case, uh, drastically improve our result if we use what we have called the bag of pursuit method. It means that we not only find the best description here, but that we find many good descriptions for that vector and then use this bag of solutions for improving the result for the coefficients. Yeah, so finally, uh, I want to show you some more results of how we applied that problem, uh, or that, that uh, method. Namely, um, as I said, if one knows that, uh, for instance, images lie on a low-dimensional, comparatively low-dimensional submanifold, uh, then one can use that knowledge for solving um, underdetermined problems. Use it as a regularization for that uh, scenario, and one is the reconstruction. If pixels are missing, or another uh, task that the image processing is to blur so the, the images are blurred, and one wants to get the, 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 the exact image out of it. Also, this is an underdetermined problem, and knowledge about where these images lie on submanifold can help. So one way of doing it is uh, to take, or one common way of doing it is to take wavelets. The wavelet dictionary, it's known to uh, be able to sparsely encode images. 
So somehow um, wavelets also describe a certain manifold in the high dimensional space, uh, which leads to very compact descriptions of these. However, our goal is now not to take a fixed wavelet dictionary, but to learn a dictionary which is perhaps more adapted to the class of images we are looking at. So what we can do then is we can, for instance, adapt a dictionary to images of houses, or we can adapt a dictionary to images of flowers or faces or whatever. So our goal is to improve the standard wavelet uh, approach by learning the set of dictionaries in the way as I described it before with our neural gas approach. So here, in this case, uh, we see what a dictionary set which has been learned looks like. In this case, we have taken many, many different images of houses. So these are houses actually in, in uh, uh, Brugge, so where the ESAN conference usually takes place. We took these images. Then we take 10 times 10 image uh, patches, and these are our training data. So we take many of that out of these images. These training data then lead here in this case to 10 times 10 uh, dictionary elements, these ones here. And uh, in this case, the, the whole dictionary set is highly overcomplete, namely it's 20, uh, 41 times 41 elements. So this is what the result is if we learn such a dictionary on uh, house images. In this case, we uh, use the Kohori network to, to sort them in a way that similar patches here, dictionary elements, are grouped together so that uh, one gets an impression what the dictionaries uh, look like. So that means uh, if we now want to reconstruct an image, we say this is the image where pixels are missing, we take a 10 times 10 image patch where the pixels are missing here and reconstruct that. Take a set of dictionaries here which best describe what the patch here, this position, looks like. Then we take the next 10 times 10 image patch to the same. Then we take the next 10 times 10 image patch to the same here. Construct all the image patches in that image here, and then we want to know what is the value of that pixel here, which might be missing, the value of that pixel, which might be missing, is then taken as the average of all the reconstructed image patches which include that pixel here. So this is uh, the way, technically speaking, the way we then uh, use that. Yeah, 100. So n, n is 100. So this, is, uh, so this is 10 times 10 here, 100, and this here is 
41 times, times 41, and this is 1,680, I don't know, one. <laughs> yeah. So this is highly redundant, uh, highly overcomplete. Yeah. For spanning the space, 100 would be sufficient. But here we take many more to uh, be able to improve it. Yeah. So this is technically speaking uh, what is said here. How we then used it for uh, reconstructing a missing pixel, and here we see uh, a result or. Example: Here we see the original image, and here we see it where 50% of the pixels are missing. And here we see the result compared, in this case, compared to far wavelengths. And the, the bricks here, you can see that in this case, uh, one can get at least a slight uh, improvement compared to far wavelengths. So one can go on, and uh, instead of 50%, one can take 70% missing pixel, and then again can reconstruct it. On the left side, we see again the Haar wavelengths, and on the right side, we see the uh, result with the sparse coding neural gas, where the dictionaries are learned. And I don't know whether. Hmm. Yeah, on the. On the screen here, uh, you can see it better. But perhaps if you look at the bricks, also in this case here, if you look at the bricks, one can realize that uh, the result or the windows, perhaps here one can see that the adapted dictionary indeed performs a noise ratio, and then one can uh, indeed also uh, make quantitative, more quantitative comparison. And then 90%, so quite uh, difficult, and indeed, turns out uh, both methods then uh, cannot really perfectly, or also in the case before it wasn't perfect, but uh, one can how difficult it becomes. But now you can indeed perhaps see differences here. a better signal-to-noise ratio for reconstruction. Yeah, and the same you can uh, apply to the problem of deblurring pictures, images. Here we see the original image on the left. On the right we see the image blurred with a certain blur parameter. And then the task is to get the the, the original image out of it as good as possible. And here we see the result with the Haar wavelet in this case, and here in this case with the adapted dictionary. I don't know whether you can see uh, from behind that there are uh, differences, especially again here. The lines have to be uh, followed. You can see that the adapted dictionary can provide uh, superior results. 
Yeah, the next then would be to uh, go to another class of images before we adapt it especially to houses. And the next step could be, for instance, to adapt particularly to flowers and uh, then you get a dictionary which looks different than the one where more or less the vertical and horizontal structures were especially uh, uh, represented for the flowers, it looks differently. And then again, in this case, uh, we only did the, only show the, the deblurring. Again, let me see, we can very nicely uh, solve the deconvolution task one uh, is confronted with if one wants to learn such images. Yeah, okay, so more or less I come to the end. Um, I'd like to summarize what I tried to, try to explain, namely, um, what we did is we extended the neural gas algorithm uh, for adapting uh, higher than, so to speak, zero-dimensional subspaces, only reference vectors, but we now take reference uh, subspaces, linear subspaces. Um, then I would, I try to show that uh, with these linear subspaces, one can describe nonlinear submanifolds in an approximate way. And uh, it is advantageous then to cast the whole uh, um, architecture into the sparse coding framework. In that case, then we can realize a very high number of linear subspaces, namely k out of m. And we can realize it with a comparatively low number of parameters, taking only elements out of a set of dictionaries. So then we still can uh, make it feasible and we showed that uh, the so-called dictionary learning, which then is necessary to adapt our linear subspaces to the unknown submanifold, uh, by taking the neural gas we can achieve quite well results also compared to uh, state-of-the-art methods. And uh, finally, I wanted to show some applications, namely by using the learned manifold as a, for regularizing high-dimensional underdetermined problems. In this case, uh, we applied it to image reconstruction and image deblurring. Okay. Thank you very much.